Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. We've got, this is the show, folks, I gotta tell you, this is the show that I've had circled on my calendar for a very long time. You see, when I was a baby, when I was less than a year old, my father held me on his knee as he watched the New York Jets win their only world championship ever. And for the following 52 years, I have suffered Sometimes I didn't know I was suffering. Other times the suffering was right in my face because I have been a Jet fan for that long. And I have searched high and low for someone else who has suffered like I have suffered. And I've found that person. But that's not what this show is about. This show is about you and what's going on in your life that you can't talk to anyone else about or you and your client and what's going on in your client's life that they can't talk to anyone else about or something they need to get to the bottom of. You see, all of these things I've talked about, all of these things I'm focusing on right now, they exist in one person. And I have scoured the earth to find this remarkable individual, someone who is so tortured by being a Jet fan that he not only had to go into law enforcement, but then he left law enforcement and went to law school, tortured himself even more. And now he combines those two things to help lawyers and to help people who have no place else to turn. Please join me in welcoming Bill Belmont to the Inside BS Show. Bill, welcome to the show. I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but I know it's going to be fun. Tell people what you do and tell them why you do what you do. Well, I was really excited to talk about the Jets, but there'll be no happiness. (laughs) No, no, no. We want to have a good time today. And let me clarify, I actually, as unique as this process is, I actually went to law school first Ah, and then became a cop. Wow. All right. So let's, let's, let's get to the bottom of that. Well, my, my, I could, I could solve that, you know, because it could take all day. My whole plan was to go into the FBI. That's all I ever wanted to do growing up. I have never been drunk. You know, you could verify that after 56 years, I've never been drunk. Um, I don't really drink at all for the last 20 or 30 years. Um, I've never been high. So I was growing up to be the picture perfect agent for the FBI. All my jobs, undergraduate and in, in law school were law enforcement related jobs. And my last year of law school in April of 91, I was actually offered a position with the FBI. And this was everything I worked for. The problem was I had three more months to law school graduates. So unfortunately I said, listen guys, I appreciate it. I remember going to Governor's Island, finishing the physical fitness test. I said, listen, I got to take the bar exam. I can't come this far and not do it. They said, no problem, no problem. We'll just defer you till after the summer. So that summer I studied for the bar, crushed it by the way, including all my boys in the Ivy League, I crushed it. Then uh, passed the bar, graduated law school, and now this is great. So I always did investigations on the side, always been, even as a, a college student, my first job was going through the yellow pages. For you young people out there, the Yellow Pages was this big book that had everybody's name and address in it. It was Google before there was Google. You had to actually look things up. And so I found the guy, and, and, I, and I still to this day still do work with him, and I started doing investigations, graduated law school, figured in six months I'd get my FBI class. The problem was, if for those that recall 91, we had a recession, and all those classes were frozen. So that's what kind of much unraveled things for me. I was killing some time. A U.S. attorney I interned for when I was an undergrad, he had gone to law school and became a cop. He said he transferred from D.C. to Phoenix. He said, why don't you come out here and be a cop? I figured that was something worth exploring and doing. Did that for a little while. Came back to New York. The FBI had changed the process. That never came around again. So I started practicing law. 
But at the same time I'm practicing law, I'm doing insurance defense work, love being a trial attorney, I'm still getting calls to be an investigator because I always did that as a side gig. And I thought this was fine. And then I realized I'm getting married. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I competing with all these lawyers when these lawyers can be my my clients? Yeah. You know, the, the way to be successful in life is where can you generate the work for? Where can you make it rain? Because that's the reality of it. You know, what, what is the NBA term? The minders, the finders, and the grinders. Right. You know, the finders are the ones that can make it happen. So after practicing law for a while and loving it, I said, uh, I went to uh, the world's largest in, uh, investigative company. And after three years there, I started my own firm. And uh, 18 years ago, and it's uh, I've been an investigative attorney uh, for a while now. All right. So the question that I have for you, and I almost asked it before we started the show, but I held myself back because I wanted to, I wanted to get it on on the record, so to speak. If somebody comes to you for an investigation, right? Because you're an attorney, is privilege attached? Like you can't? Can you be subpoenaed if they if they come to you for an, they they ask you for help with an investigation? Let's not get into the fancy words of subpoena and so forth. So, and I'll make I'll give you an easy answer. I am an attorney. I'm an attorney and a licensed private investigator. So privilege in the right situations would attach. But I'll make it much easier. I will rarely work with an individual directly. Ninety percent of the time, I want to work with attorneys. You know, I joke around a lot that we have the Ray Donovan type of services. We have access a lot of private information. And for us to do that, I want as many layers of assurance that it's legitimate purpose. I want to make sure this is a business reason, typically litigation-based, because you call us when there's an adversary relationship. No one's really calling me up because their kid's having a sweet 16 or they're having their 50th anniversary. There's a problem and you need me to solve that problem. So that's when you get involved. So while we could have that privilege, I'm much more comfortable. And I've had this happen. Someone will refer me. I'm like, hey, that's great. I could definitely help you. As soon as you get yourself an attorney, have him him or she contact me and I'm very happy to be retained. And the reason you do that is because the attorney then hires you. They pay the attorney. The attorney pays you. So even if you weren't an attorney, then privilege is attached and everything you find. Not right. But I don't, I don't even do it for the privilege, but I put it for the reassurance to me that it's a legitimate purpose. Oh, let me, I see. Let me give an example okay. of it. Something as simple as DMV records. Investigators in our industry have access to DMV records, but the states will audit you randomly to make sure the reason you ran that search was justified. You can't just run someone's records because what happened back in the day was people would use it as a dating tool. <laughs> oh, that person's good looking. Let me run that license yeah. plate. Or you had more nefarious situations where individuals were trying to assassinate their spouse's boyfriend or girlfriend and doing that. So when someone calls me up, you know, you know, I've been doing this now. I've had my own firm for 18 years. I'm not in a rush to take any work in. I want to make sure it's legitimate. I don't want to deal with people that are emotional. They have their attorney involved. So yes, payment is nice because I'll get, I'll get the money paid up front or the attorney will hold the money. But I never worried about that. You never chase money in business. You got to chase those relationships. Yeah. So having the attorneys is just a level of comfort for me. Yeah. So talk about some of the things that people um, people retain you for help with. So is it uh, I mean, your every day has got to be different for you. Like one day it could be a personal injury case and you could be doing an investigation uh, for, for for like an accident scene. Another day it could be a family law case and you could be looking at a uh, cheating spouse. Another day it could be an asset search for somebody who's got a judgment and they need to figure out if it's collectible, like all that stuff that or you could do all three of those in one day. Tell us about some of the things that you work on that people may not be familiar with. Uh, well, not familiar with. So, I mean, I think you were accurate in that there's a whole level of different cases that we have. You know, the, the elevated pitch is simply we provide, you know, New York-based but national investigation firm that provides investigations and due diligence. Due diligence is what we call it. Some people think of it as background checks or deep dives. We do that for law firms, corporations, and high net worth families. 
Um, and then we have all kinds of investigations. There's intellectual property, fraud, workplace investigations, locate investigations. Those became very big during COVID because everyone was dispersed in somewhere else, asset searches. But we handle adversarial relationships. People call us because, uh, I, let's you know, 70% of what we do is information gathering. You're going to make an investment. And Ma Enron was great for us. Sarbanes-Oxley was great for us. And Madoff was great for us. In fact, I'll give you an example. We had a woman who was personally guaranteeing a business transaction on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Old school money, as she liked to say. She's like the Vanderbilts. And so we have a form before she personally guarantees this transaction. We have a form she must fill out because we're going to go dig into their lies. Now, I don't need that form, but I like the form because it puts you on notice. And I, I want to know your address. I'm going to open up everything about you. And if you're going to fill out a form and you mislead us on the form, well, we can just reject the whole situation on that. So she calls, my client calls back and goes, Bill, I sent the form off to her and her attorney. She's complaining about filling it out. She says, everybody knows her. How do I get her to fill out this form? I said, no problem. I said, send this off to her attorney. And I typed a very quick email that simply said, Everybody knew Madoff. Yeah. And, and the next day they filled out the form and sent it back. So we live at a time when everyone knows you have to be transparent. You know, that's going to happen and expect that. But a lot of people are so afraid to tell someone they're doing it. We don't need their permission because everything we're doing is public information. We're finding out where to get information and we're contacting the right people to do that. So whether you're in a business deal and now it is under the Patriot Act, you have to track your money, right? Don't find out. Don't tell us you took in $300 million to your fund and then later on find out it was a criminal organization or a terrorist group. You had to look for that. Same thing with no domestic transactions. So it's not just the people receiving the money. It's the people giving the money. Everyone wants to know who they're dealing with. Same thing in litigation. All of a sudden, you have to sue this person. Who is this gal I'm suing? You know, what do I know about them? Or who's this person suing me? Why is she suing me? What do I need to know about her? Same thing intellectual property. Some companies want to buy someone else's trademark. They want to know who's using their trademark. How big a fight's it going to be? How much intel can you gather? So that's a big part of what we do in, in, in the general mainstream type of investigations. Okay, how about um, self-oppo research? So I'm thinking of running for political office. I go to you and I go, hey, Bill, listen. I don't, you know, I've, I don't know what's out there about me. There may be some stuff out there that's not true. I know what I did. I know what I didn't do, but I don't know what people are saying. Bill, go out and find everything you can about me. Does anybody ever hire you to do that? Check them out. Yes. And it's becoming even a bigger issue now because of the dark web. Now, so typically, let me give you a rep. I think for a phase one deep dive on someone, notwithstanding their own financials, three to $5,000, you can find out everything you need to know for a phase one, whether you're going to go forward with someone in a business deal. The problem now is when you bring the dark web into it, now you're talking 25000 50000 100000 to see what goes on there. That's a whole nother world now, and a lot of people are asking us to dig into that for them also. So for the most part, it does happen. I'd rather be doing it when someone says, come to me. I don't want to get involved in the political game with someone saying, you know, get the uh, intelligence on the individual and so forth. It's some stuff. I always do the sniff test. doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or not. When you call me up and ask me to do something, does it sound like it's something I want to get? This is the same advice I give my clients about emails and texts. Just imagine that email or text was on the cover of the New York exactly. Times. Are you okay with everybody seeing it? So if someone calls me for a case and tomorrow CNN or Fox News are covering that story, am I going to be comfortable having been named in it? That's how I decide if I want to take the engagement or not. You know, and here's something else, Bill. I, you know, and this wor this really worries me quite a bit, not for myself, but for other people who are in the public eye. Deep fakes are a real thing. 
people are going to be able to fake videos with your likeness, not you personally, but with, with, with the likeness of somebody on there. Is there a way for you, for if somebody hired you to, to go, hey, Bill, listen, we need you to prove, I, I didn't make this video. I need you to prove that this video is a fake. Is it possible to do that? Yeah. So that's a very, it is, let's just, the simple answer is yes, but that's the simple part. We have to find out where the information came from, how it was sourced, where it was posted and so forth. For instance, I'm a huge TikTok guy. I'm, I'm not registered on TikTok, but I love watching. It's very entertaining. And I actually think it's a great source of information because in our business, even lies are lead generators. All we look to do is generate leads and then we'll figure out if they're truthful or not. So on TikTok, you see a great source of misinformation. So when you see something, you have to start digging around. So I'll give you an example. We had a fraud case once when an individual was in the media and we were investigating this person. Now, at the end of a lot of news stories now, magazine, uh, mostly newspapers, at the end of the article, there's a comment section. And everybody's a hero. We're all keyboard warriors. They don't want to come in your face and say it, but they'll sit behind the keyboard and say whatever they want. And most of the time, the comments on this guy will be, oh... You know, they, 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 he's the good guy. They shouldn't do this to him. Oh, he's a bully. He stole everyone's money. But someone else may comment on this case. Oh, I remember him three years ago when he was working with me at ABC Corporation. He was always getting in trouble with the finance department. Now, that's a great lead for us. Now, I have to, I, I can't run with that and say, here's my smoking gun, but that's a lead generator. Let's follow up on that. So our job is constantly, people understand when you get into the investigation area, you're not paying us for our results. You're paying us for our time. There's no guarantee what you're going to find. And a lot of times you got, it's like, it's like a cobweb. You got to go down certain paths and turn left and turn right. It may be, you have to come back. It's very complicated how you get information, but if you put the time in, you can get there. So that was a long winded way of getting back to your question. Yes, it is possible to do that. No, I, no, I think that's great. So, you know, to your point about that, though, there are some people who would who would be happy to pay you whatever you want for you to find nothing because that's a relief for them. <laughs> well, typically they know, though, right? I mean, right. you know, it. you if know you what you did and you know what you yeah, did. You know, I mean, that's I tell clients all the time. You know, I, I joke. I have we have those Ray Donovan services. For times when your personal indiscretions make it hard to call 911. And I, you know, I, criminal defense attorneys deal with this all the time. I tell clients, listen, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you the best result possible, but I'm doing everything based upon what you tell me. It's like cooking a meal. You bring me those groceries, I'll make the best meal I can with that. But if you bring me the wrong groceries, that's what you're going to end up getting. So in those situations, you know, you have to say, listen, explain that to me, what you think is there. We could discuss it afterwards, but that's part and parcel of how you have to work with them. So, who, where do your cases come from? Do they, how, what percentage of your cases come from attorneys and what percentage of your cases come from the, you know, a person who needs, just needs your help. And then you say, go get me an attorney, go get an attorney and then come to me. So over 20, 30 years, I'm getting slightly more from individuals who are self referrals, but for the most part, you, you hire me because it's an adversarial situation. And the way that happens is Everyone knows a lawyer for something, whether it's your personal injury case, your closing, your trust case, maybe even your traffic ticket. So when something else happens in your life that requires assistance or a tool in your toolbox such as we provide, you're going to go to whatever attorney you know. So the overwhelming majority of work comes from attorneys. They're the first ones contacted by the person who doesn't know an investigator, you know, especially an investigative attorney. So most people don't really have that in their Rolodex. And how many times do I meet someone like, oh, I hope I never need you, but it's always nice to have you in the Rolodex. So that's, that's why most of the time that's where that information comes from. Okay. So 
What about a base, just a basic thing? So I'll give you a couple of examples of when, you know, I've called a, a private investigator that I know for a couple of things. I mean, these may be too basic for you and you tell us if these are too basic for you. So first and foremost, you're moving into a new neighborhood, right? You can go on your local sex offender website and see if there's any sex offenders in your in your neighborhood. But what you don't know is you don't know that the guy next door to you, you know, says he's uh, the owner of a laundromat and really what he does is he's cooking up meth and selling meth, right? So I'm gonna move into a neighborhood. I give you the address. Can you, you know, look around the neighborhood and tell me if there's anybody who's, you know, been who's been conv- convicted of a felony, I guess is easy, but been arrested before or done something, you know, something along those lines so that I can be aware before I move to that neighborhood? So let's break down that a little bit and clarify a couple issues. One, conviction records are mostly public information. Arrest record in most states are not. Criminal records are different state by state and county by county. New York State will provide you a criminal record statewide. California will not. So if you run someone in L.A. and they've done all kinds of damage in San Francisco, you're never going to find that out. Which you, know, actually, you, you made me think of a good point. When we do these full-blown deep dives, which we call due diligence, one of the three big areas that I, I find very important are we do criminal re- We do a lot. We do a whole gamut on you. But the criminal records, civil records, and media are very important. Because if there is a nefarious act there, you're going to find it one of those three things. Right. Let me give you an example. If you don't mind, I, we had a, a, an individual who was, uh, we, we were investigating and the name was somewhat common. Obviously, the more common the name, the more difficult, except criminal records are linked to your name and date of birth. Civil records are just name as our media. So if you have a child and you think he's going to or she's going to be a bad person, give them a very common John name. John Smith, yeah. <laughs> John Smith's going to have a much more – and don't get arrested in Florida. Florida, as soon as you get that mugshot, they get that up on Google. Where, right away, yeah, so. I live in Florida. We're great at that. We, we, we have yeah, a cottage industry yeah, yeah. of selling mugshots to people. Yeah, it works really well. Get it right up there on the website. So, on the, so this individual was arrested for assaulting a homeless person. And having done that, um, we ran them and there was no conviction – and they were a college student at the time. And the college they graduated from was uh, out, out, of, out of the D.C. area. And maybe it's not that individual. And, and it's a longer story, but to wind up, it ended up being the right individual. So what happens is, got arrested, but wasn't convicted. So you're not going to get a conviction record. The newspapers, though, picked up the story, like the police blot, as you see. And those never go away. You know, back in the day, back when the Jets won their Super Bowl, something made it into the paper. That's the only place you're going to find it back that long ago. Now... Things are electronic. And as everyone should know at this point, internet never goes away. Nobody is scrubbing you from the internet. What they're doing is they're taking you from page three and they're putting you on page 10, but nothing's getting removed from there. So luckily, we were able to confirm it was individual using some other investigative tools, but they came up because no lawsuit, the victim never sued, so no court record, no conviction, so nothing there, but there was a police report about the arrest in the name. And from there, then you can start raveling and getting the information to sustain your, your, your allegations at that point. Yeah, so what about just somebody, uh, I'm going to take on a partner in my business, right? And I, you know, I've known the guy for five years, seems like a good guy, but you never really know somebody. So I get his consent. He, he fills out all of your paperwork because everybody thinks they're smarter than people who are going to look into them, right? Fills out all your paperwork, what would you do? How would you, you know, what was, what's the due diligence you do on an individual if I'm going into business with them? So the first thing is you want to look at, like I said, the low hanging fruit. Um, but even before that, I go to address history. I want to know everywhere you've lived. 
Because you're going to think those six months you did in Florida or those six months you did in Utah aren't going to show up, but I'm going to know to go there because I'm going to be able to figure out your address history. And we're going to go into every county you lived in. I always like to look at county. County is the most comprehensive place. The court records, the criminal records, the county level records with the clerks that exist there outside of the court. We're going to look for your litigation, your criminal, your judgments, your liens, your UCCs, your bankruptcies. And then we get into social media and then news stories. We had a case once we did a background individual, a deep dive from Latin America, who was going to run Latin American operations for U.S. company. I didn't find anything that was too nefarious about him. And we had about eight or nine pages of media articles where he was quoted. He ended up not getting the job. And I said to the client, why? He goes, because everything you found was conflicted with everything he told us in the interview. He tried changing his perspective so he thought what the political climate was going to be, where the industry was going. Oh, he man. was trying to say what he thought mattered, but what he really felt was well-documented in that way. So that's only phase one. After that, listen, we've done surveillance on individuals where there's character questions involved. On fraud cases, you do that to find out where there's a conflict of interest. Um, and then you pull those records. Former spouses, think about the information. You know, hell hath no fury like a spouse that's been scorned. So you can identify individuals in someone's life. And one of the skill sets in our business is to make sure you can do that without alerting people to that process. Even when you're doing a surveillance sometimes and neighbors are coming out, you have to be as, as, uh, as calm and as quiet in your process as you can be not to draw attention to what you're doing. Another reason why we don't do a whole lot of my firm, we don't do a whole lot of uh, media because for the most part, our clients that have very discreet situations prefer that we not be someone who's out there promoting what they're doing. Right, right. And I, I would imagine that you're not somebody who's ever going to be, you know, out in the field doing anything. You have other people who are going to be out in the field who nobody's ever going to know. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be the guy delivering a package or the person who's fixing the gas meter or something. Nobody's ever going to. Well, you'd be surprised, unfortunately, how oblivious most people are when you follow them. <laughs> so you, you, could, you could just be following them and they wouldn't even notice. I have I have. I followed people for seven, eight hours an entire day simply by changing a hat and a sweatshirt, and they would have no idea. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Now, obviously, following someone in New York City is much different than following someone in Wyoming. Right. So you have to have, you have, to have multiple people. You know, a simple Google search of a location will let you know what you would need to really pick up a surveillance team and conduct the proper uh, investigation based upon the location and the... Uh, environmental layout. Okay. So Bill, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to take a minute and think about it. I know you don't need the minute, but I need the minute. So take a minute and think about it. Here's the question. The question is the average person, you know, law abiding person just going about their life. Wh who should they be checking out? What should they be thinking about from a, just a, you know, a regular financial security, not physical threat perspective, but from a regular financial security point of view, what do most people not think about from your perspective that they should be thinking about? That what don't they check out that they should be checking out? I'm going to have you answer that question in just one sec. I need to let people know that we're brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. So we're talking with Bill Belmont now, and he's an investigative attorney. He'll get to the bottom of stuff for you that nobody else will get to the bottom of. Well, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors 
it's much easier. You're buying a company. You need somebody to go over the financials. Sandrowski's the people to do that. Call them up, have them go over the financials, have them do a competitive analysis, and then you can call Bill, and Bill can check out everybody associated with the company. But have Sandrowski Corporate Advisors look at the financials of the company, have them do a comparative analysis to other businesses in the industry, in the geographic region, and they will tell you what they think the business is worth. That's called evaluation, right? Then if you have a, an adversarial situation, you're wondering what your business is worth because you and your partner are going to split up. Your partner says it's worth X, you say it's worth Y. Somebody needs to testify to what that business is really worth. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors can do that too. And here's the thing. They don't just handle the numbers. They've also testified in hundreds of cases over the last 35 years. The guy who handles their... Um, the guy who handles their forensic accounting and business valuation litigation support area is a college professor as well as a CPA. He can take the most complex things and break them down so that they're easy to understand. So you don't just need somebody who's going to do the financial analysis. You're going to need somebody who can also testify in court in a way that's so simple even a judge can get it. I want you to give Sandrowski Corporate Advisors a call. You can reach out to them at 866-717-1607-866. 717-1607. Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. If you want a business development plan that will help you grow your business, that doesn't involve bus bench advertising, it doesn't involve any goofy SEO stuff, Download my Revenue Roadmap Guide right now. It's free. It's my gift to you for listening, for watching. Go to RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. Enter your contact info. Download it now. You can customize it for your professional practice. You're a CPA. You're a financial advisor. You're a consultant. You're an engineer. You're a lawyer. My Revenue Roadmap Guide will help you with its six steps. It'll, it's super easy for you then to decide how you're going to grow your business. It's a path for you to stay on, to keep focused and stay on track. RevenueRoadmapGuide.com. It's free. It's my gift to you. Download it today. All right, Bill. The average person walking around, they don't know what they don't know, right? What should they have checked into before they got involved with it. Well, like you said, you, you, you talked about the CEPA for an evaluating the numbers. We evaluate the human element to what people are doing. So too often, give you another example, even though this is professional, it, it still relates to individuals. We got a call about an $85 million fraud involving a hedge fund. And the problem was the compliance guys said, hey, let's get the Belmont Group report. We want to look at these individuals first. The sales guys were like, no, nah, we got to get it. There's a, there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Let's just go. Let's just go. And of course, they went, they didn't do the compliance, and it was a problem. So I think we too often get comfortable. We, sh we have to get our mindset around the fact that we live in a, a day and age where it's very easy to mislead people. Misinformation is everywhere, and you have to verify. If you're going to do business with people, you're going to involve yourself with people, verify it. I, I had a catfish case where a girl I went to high school with another girl, um, the one girl took the other girl's face because she felt she was much prettier than she was. And she took this victim's face and went online and created an all online relationship with an individual that was 15 years older. And that, that he figured things out and that became a big headache. I mean, you know, it unraveled. So, you know, unfortunately, we may be more cynical because of what we do for a living. But I think, uh, you know, what's that great quote? You know, trust, but verify. Right. 
Right. Trust people. You know, you mentioned earlier lawful source of funds. And these days with sanctions and everything, I'm, I'm in Miami, Florida, and we have a section of Miami, Florida called Sunny Isles. And most of Sunny Isles is owned by Russian nationals, people from Russia. So whenever a real estate attorney is doing a transaction in Sunny Isles, they do a lawful source of funds to make sure that the money is clean. Uh, years ago, the government, like four years ago, five years ago, the government put in this process for New York City and Miami-Dade County, Florida, where they, they're going to scrutinize every real estate transaction that's done with a foreign buyer. Bill, explain to people about lawful source of funds and how how tough it can be to, to figure out where funds really come from. Well, the, uh, here's a simple, simple, simplest example I can give you. My company is called the Belmont Group, Right. Someone can cut a check to me called the Belmont Group, and I can open up a second bank account called the Belmont Group Limited, the Belmont Group PC, and as soon as that check comes in, I could deposit it there. So I could show my entity having almost no money in it and deposit every check, which looks like it's legitimate, into something else. The real question, the situations you're discussing for those attorneys are, how far back do I have to go? So if I have a, an individual whose company is ABC Corporation in Miami, and I, how far do I have to look to see if he's getting funding from somewhere overseas? How many different layers back do I have to go? How many principles are they? How many are silent principles? I pull the corporate documents. The corporate documents has Joe Smith. He's the guy that did it. Do I have to look into Joe Smith? Do I have to get the source of funding from Joe Smith? So a lot of that depends on what is reasonable due diligence. But the reality is if you want to hide and you put your time into it, it takes a lot of time and effort to go through that. And it's, it takes time. You have to peel those layers back. Who's that person? Who's that person associated with? It's just a question of what is reasonable due diligence to say it's okay to move forward. And what talk about um, in criminal defense cases, right? Do do criminal defense attorneys hire you sometimes to do uh, to to you know to to write an affidavit up of the lawful source of funds of the money to defend this guy? So the guy's uh, the guy's accused of being a drug dealer, right? And the criminal defense attorney says, well, it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. If the drug dealer gives $100,000 of drug money to the attorney, that could be a problem, right? So does the criminal defense attorney go to you and say, Bill, listen, the drug dealer's Uncle Pete, who's supposedly clean, is giving me the hundred grand. Can you just verify that that money's one generation clean and write up an affidavit and then the, the criminal defense attorney's covered? Do, do, does that happen? Well, I, I have not done that specific situation. The problem, of course, is... You can't track the actual hundred thousand dollars. You know how do you how does someone say? Um, I'll, I'll give you another example. I had a case in Miami. Individual had seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of my product of my client's product, not product meaning drug product, being a legitimate item, and we couldn't get hold of him. I tracked him down. He was arrested by the feds. First thing DOJ does is they take all your stuff. They're going to take it and they're pretty much going to get to keep all of it. I quickly went to DOJ and said, wait a minute, because I finally found this guy got locked up. He was part of an international uh, steroid ring selling steroids. And by the way, involved Russia and back and forth. So when I got to the Fed, I said, wait a minute, this product here, these items, these, uh, these were uh, fashion jewelry items, they don't belong to him. They're ours. He was in a civil transaction with those. We want to make sure we hold them. And luckily, the AUSA allowed us to become what they called innocent owners and separated us from that. So we have a lot of situations where we have to do the best we can to verify that. But if you're commingling funds, you're going to have a very hard job you know, winning that battle, especially you go up against the feds. The feds are batting like 99% on their... Uh, 
999 on their on the uh, percentage of their hit rate. All right, Bill, tell me a little bit about you said the the security part of your business it's not it's not as fun, it's not as sexy, it's not as exciting. But tell tell folks what you do on the security side just so they know what you do. Right. So, I mean, there was a time we used to do Isaac Mizrahi's fashion shows many years ago in New York. Um, we've had some other eight celebrities that have events and we come in and consult on that. So now I do a lot of security consulting in those situations. You may have a workplace violence situation where, you know, which is still one of the biggest threats in, in, in corporate America, whether it's a domestic violence situation stemming over, a disgruntled employee, making sure that you understand how to handle the situations. And again, it goes back to when I told you about the fact that I could follow someone for eight hours and they wouldn't even know. If you have an employee that comes to work every day and, and, and looks groomed and, and shaved and proper, and all of a sudden things look different, and it's two days like that, and they seem off, that's a red flag. You know, you need to pay attention to those type of things. So we come in in situations that may take place. If there's a large-scale event or a corporate event, and they need some guidance on how to oversee it, how to liaison with law enforcement, uh, what the post orders would be, and so forth, we can assist them with that. Okay, and you work you work everywhere, right? You're not, you're not limited to New York, the tri-state area. You can work any place. Yeah. All right. So, folks, if you want to reach out to Bill, here's what you can do. You can dial, dial. Listen to me. You said phone book. I said dial. People don't even know what a dial is. I say, no. if I tell them dial 212-695-0086, they're going to go, dial, Dave, dial. I'm going to call on the phone. I don't know what. See, there used to be this thing called a phone that had a dial. You'd stick your finger in. Anyway. 212-695-0086, 212-695-0086. That's how you can reach Bill. All right, Bill, I'm going to ask you now, think about three things, three things you want people to take away from our time together today. And while you're doing that, I'm going to remind them about the Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Um, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors is a CPA firm. They help people all over the place with business valuation, litigation support, forensic accounting, risk management, and family office advisory. If you need help with any of those services, you can reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors at 866-717-1607, They also work anywhere in the U.S. They can help you, 866-717-1607. Okay, Bill, what are the three things we should take away from our time together today? Um, I guess as far as our firm, you know, We've built our firm for 20 years based upon chasing relationships, not the dollar. You know, we have long-term relationships with clients. You, know, you should never hesitate to reach out to us if you're in a situation you need some guidance. If we're not the right place for you. We'll put you in touch with the right person. You know, as every New Yorker likes to say, we got a guy. So we are typically the GTG for most people. <laughs> and we will handle that for you. Um, the second thing is, as we talked about, is just verify people you're doing business with. You're making decision. doesn't matter if it's your friend or how long you knew that person. There are things that happen in people's lives that you're never going to know about. And it's important that you know about them before getting into those long-term relationships to make sure something is not going to be regrettable later on. And as I gave the one example, it doesn't have to be a, a, a top news story of a criminal event or a major lawsuit. It could just be reputational type of issues. And you want to make sure when you're doing business with people that their behavior and conduct is not going to get you in a situation you are going to get in trouble. And I'm not even talking about, you know, don't even get me talking about people who cancel people in this whole world culture. I'm not talking about that. Simply, does the person you're going to be spending time with and doing business with have the same value system that you do? And if not, how will that impact the decisions you're going to make? And then um, the last is to let you know that one of, the, one of the things I love best about what we do is now, a lot of times, we're like life coaches in our business. You know, we're very good at motivating people to do the right thing. So many times, attorneys will call us up uh, and tell us that they have a situation and it's going to be difficult to engage in litigation. 
and we try to help them identify the, the bad actor. Uh, to give you an example, there was a company that was leasing jewelry to people around the country. And they, instead of buying these expensive pieces of jewelry for $50,000, $60,000, you would pay a monthly fee and then every three months you return the jewelry. But of course, after three or four months, some people wouldn't return that. Can't, I went to law enforcement in those different states and jurisdictions and they're like, hey, this is kind of a civil matter. I'm not sure we can do that. So how do I get a guy in Montana or, or, or Florida or Texas or Seattle to send back that item? And so what we do is we contact them in a very nice way. And then we find ways in the industry that if you begin to legally and ethically let people know that decisions they're making are going to impact them professionally or personally, they become very motivated um, to do the right thing. And we see that in regular social media now, right? If you're in a restaurant or an airline or a business and someone puts a bad rating for you out there, it changes your, how you're going to behave. So that type of accountability is still very feasible and something our industry is able to take advantage of. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's, we could do a whole show on that alone. <laughs> Legally shaming people into doing the right thing. <laughs> used to have that news show, right? Shame on you. It's like one of the local news shows always had that. Bill Belmont, it was great. It was enlightening having you on thank you so much those of you who are out there who need the services of someone to track something down or to do to do due diligence on a person or a company or there's someone you're going to get in business with and you're just not sure about them give bill and his team a call you can reach out to them at 212-695-0086 212-695-0086 bill belmont it was a pleasure having you on thanks for spending some time with us today absolutely thanks dude. all righty folks that'll do it for this episode of the inside bs show my name is dave lorenzo we'll be back here again tomorrow with another great interview if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more let us know down in the comments if you didn't like what you heard you can let us know that down in the comments if you have nothing to say just give us a hey now down in the comments why because that engagement helps us it helps on youtube it helps with the podcast we love your comments leave us comments early and often until tomorrow my name is dave lorenzo here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life